0: into episode number 103 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Nick, it is Sunday morning, it is eight o'clock. If the Huskies would have won yesterday, we wouldn't be here, but we are, so we're cranky for a multitude of reasons. Um, it's fine, it's whatever. Um, a lot of hockey going on. The women's frozen four is set, men's hockey is set for the respective playoffs for each of the conferences. St. Cloud is not among those teams, unfortunately. The Minnesota Wild continue to do whatever it is that they're doing these days. Um, and Jack Eichel keeps saying stuff, and it's kind of interesting. So, we're going to take a look at the college hockey world a little bit of nhl and a little bit of stardom if you will uh <laughs> as you would take a look at your nhl be a pro if you were jack eichel uh, and we are going to start <laughs> we are going to start as always with center ice view news and notes and the huskies illustrated weekly roundup center ice view news and notes center ice view provides you with the best coverage of st cloud state huskies hockey from game notes recaps photos and more go to centericeview.com
1: Sort of weekly roundup. Noah, and as we mentioned, uh, St. Cloud State, after snatching home ice away from Duluth, uh, decided they didn't like it. They wanted to get it right back. <laughs> uh, a disappointing uh, weekend for St. Cloud State, falling two to nothing in the best of three series uh, in the NCHC quarterfinals. Um, just a kind of quick recap what happened 5-2 on Friday, just a terrible performance on the ice, uh, very flat, uh, too many penalties, and uh, just wasn't great. Um, Saturday, a nice response. Um, we went up to a 2 nothing lead, but a red flag. No one I think will eventually touch on this, but uh, St. Coles State, the last couple of weekends have not shown that they can hold on to a, a two-goal lead. Uh, so there's some, there's some red flags going into the NCAA tournament. Um, St. Claude State does wait uh, for its fates here a, a week from today. Um, Noah Cates with the overtime dagger last night for a 4-3 overtime loss for the Huskies, sending Duluth to St. Paul and St. Claude State to the waiting room, essentially, um, as they await what will happen at the, the NCAA committee. Uh, a couple of performers that did have some good weekends, Kevin Fitzgerald, Nolan Walker, Yami Carnella. I'll uh, potted a, a goal this weekend. and Nick Perbix having two. But there's another problem if your defenseman is scoring more than your offense, not great either. Um, Andre Treble, Zach Kabi had a couple assists. Micah Miller, Jack Peer, to Brodzinski, Kyler Kukua, Brandon Missy, and Perbix also had a couple. Um, had, excuse me, had assists as well on the weekend. Uh, Duluth three times in the power play that they were successful. Uh, only one for eight for the Huskies on the power play. So again, special teams. Uh, not getting it done either if they weren't on five-on-five. On five. Um, so as you mentioned, Duluth will now go over to St. Paul to face Denver in the opening round of the Frozen Faceoff. North Dakota does get Western Michigan as all three of those teams also swept their respective series, um, and this tournament will begin uh, next Friday.
0: Yeah, North Dakota, I uh, very tightly contested matchup for them against Colorado College was really impressed to see how yes. CC played um, gave I think uh, the Fighting Hawks more of a scare than people anticipated, and uh, Omaha oh so close uh, especially last night to trying to get a win a win on the board man so uh, it was some pretty exciting hockey but like you mentioned uh, all four series uh, ending up as two to nothing sweeps the Denver one was pretty cut and dry obviously. Um, and St. Cloud was the only higher seed to uh drop their respective uh series so we'll keep an eye obviously on the NCAA Frozen Faceoff and Nick we are uh at the time we'll re- be there so yeah at the time of, well that's cool um <laughs> that uh at the time of recording about 24 hours and change it is selection sunday so it's uh, super yeah. exciting to uh um get on board with that we also have some news related to that related to our show we'll touch on that at the beginning of the main show here um but we have some exciting guests coming up uh, after selection sunday here on the huskies warming house podcast uh, uh final topics already for the huskies illustrated weekly Roundup. Not a whole lot to talk about and uh for what it is we have an announcement a milestone and tons of signings and injuries around the national hockey league uh so let's start with the nhl reverse retro jerseys uh they were worn last season they're going to make a return but with a little bit bit of a twist uh everyone remembers some teams had some good ones some bad i would say the minnesota wilds reverse retro Mm -hmm. north star style jerseys were among the top three uh in the league the uniforms are going to actually feature new designs next year rather than recirculating last season's threads so from what i've been told is that there are going to be slight tweaks to the designs that we had last year so same maybe color palette but a little bit of change i you know to be honest with you
1: it's a money grab yeah,
0: to, to be honest with you, though, what if we get a reverse retro jersey that's that's green now? That's a home version of the North Star thing. I mean, that's cool, right? You know, like that could be, you know, and it's a chance for some of the teams who really sucked at it last time to maybe <laughs> do better. I don't know. I, I I like the idea of the reverse retro Noah, but you you can
1: only really kind of you know extrapolate on that so much and you kind of wonder i know the wild fans uh, of old kind of you know older than me i know scary to think um they exist Yeah, i know right well some (laughs) of them still do um but uh you know they kind of got their wish with that blend of the north stars slash minnesota wild so i don't know how you know you tweak it and that's the other kind of the, the danger too right is if you don't tweak it enough uh, then you really start to show that this is more of a money grab than it actually is so uh, if they do redesign it I kind of hope they see um, more than just small tweaks because otherwise that program will not last uh, past next season
0: yeah well I get. I guess we'll see I wonder if it's just going to be another one-time thing but uh, as we've talked about so much the NHL can use some more money and if it does get more money grabs and uh, you know maybe other teams can find a way to solve the Palette issue they had last time. Some of them were really bad. I'm looking we'll, at you, Detroit. We'll help Redskins. Arizona in their, in their stadium <laughs> situation, but that's fine. Hey, think about it. And man, they're gonna sell so many of those jerseys because you know the key be right
1: alongside the be- Arizona Stadium, the the Arizona State, the, uh, the Arizona <laughs> State uh, um, you know
0: store there inside the arena. So that, would, sure. be, that would be kind of cool if uh, if the Coyotes did like an Arizona State style jersey. That'd be kind of cool, don't you think? Like, I don't know. I mean, they're basically the same team now, so sure. Yeah, I same roster right here. Um yeah. anyway, <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of uh, people that have been on the roster for quite a long time in Milestone News New York Islanders bench boss 2018 Stanley Cup champion Barry Trotz coaching his 900th win this past week become only the third coach wow. in NHL history to do so joining uh, Everyone's favorite from the Chicago Blackhawks, Scotty Bowman, and Joel Quenville. Um, <laughs> five big signings uh, in the National Hockey League. Currently dotting the press this week. Uh, Seattle Kraken forward, Jared McCann, five years, $25 million. Philadelphia defenseman Rasmus Ristolainen, five years at $5.1 million Yikes. A season. Yikes. Yeah, well, Chuck Yikes. Fletcher doing Chuck Fletcher things. Um, exciting, right? Oof, That that's a <laughs> terrible signing, but Okay. All right, so how long do you think it will take for Danny Breer to be the GM? Do you think it happens before the end of the season or do you think it happens in the summer? I don't think it happens that quick. I think
1: <laughs> what you will... No, seriously. I yeah. Chuck Fletcher is not a good GM. Um, we, we've seen... Uh, he's even worse right now in Philadelphia. I mean, yeah. I didn't... Because he drafted well with Minnesota, I think. I think his drafting wasn't was not that bad. The question is he held to the core too long and then did knee jerk over the top trades that gave away futures way too more for players that didn't
0: fit on a roster as just in the trades where yeah just not good, so. hashtag Martin Hansel. Um they really wanted Ryan White I heard. So yeah. Oh yeah. Well um the Brent Burns one was good. Was that the Chuck Fletcher move? Brent Burns? Yeah uh yes that was a Brent Burns move yes yeah yeah Brent Burns Chuck Fletcher all right yeah um,
1: that was yeah because that was the that was when it was uh have was that Heatley no yeah because that was Heatley was, uh, and Charlie, uh, Charlie Coyle because Coyle said, was part of that yeah Devin Sataguchi too oh Setaguchi, that's right sorry no Heatley was uh for
0: Marty Havlat actually yeah. yes yeah, Marty had, like, had kind of an interesting career, too. Speaking of longevity, though, uh, Kyle Clifford keeps on rolling along up there in Toronto. Him and Colorado netminder Pavel Franco. So each got two-year extensions. While 37-year-old Joe Pavelski, what a year he's having, uh, getting a wow. single-year pack for uh, $5.5 million for next season. Um, pacing Dallas right now, 59 points in 56 games. There's some players that just seem to get better as they get older. I think that, you know, um, granted he's on a good hockey team, but I think Corey Perry is an, another one of those players that has maybe found new life for his gr- group. I, I think he's a good role player, at least for Tampa Bay, but he's not producing like Joe Pavelski was, but Joe Pavelski, you know, he's, he's, he's an Olympian. I mean, he's, you know, one of the best players. So ever. Is Corey Perry. <laughs> yeah, but I would say Joe Pavelski is one of the best players, arguably, to wear uh, the U.S. Olympic sweater. He's just one of those guys that you put him in front of the net, let him redirect every puck on the planet, and uh, just the skill that he has all over the ice. Um, our last topic. We have a bunch of injuries in the National Hockey League this week. Colorado star Gabriel Landeskog out indefinitely with knee surgery. Sam Girard yesterday also was out for a month. Uh, the oft-injured Red Wing, Robbie Fabry, unfortunately out for the year again. Another torn ACL. Just continues to have knee and ligament problems in his lower body. Uh, Blues defenseman, former Duluth Bulldog Scott Perunovich, missing two months after wrist surgery. Uh, Toronto goalie Jack Campbell out at least two weeks with a rib injury. Or as the Carolina Hurricanes would Say a midsection injury. Uh, yeah. in, a, in our last pair of ailments, uh, this one was kind of scary. Last night, Chicago defenseman Connor Murphy was stretchered off the ice last night after a hit from behind against Ottawa on Saturday. And Dallas will be without rearguard Miro Heiskanen after being diagnosed with mononucleosis. welcome into episode number 103 i'm noah grant along with the ceo of raising canes nick max and i'm not i wasn't gonna wait on that one can't pull no i don't blame you 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 looked beautiful um i enjoyed it i'm jealous that you got free raising canes um (laughs) i'm a little bit disappointed i heard through the grapevine that you were maybe if the Huskies had won yesterday, maybe supposed to be on the call today uh, for the Huskies yep. game. So it's kind of disappointing to hear that the Huskies didn't win for a multitude of reasons. But other than that, it's a Sunday morning. Um, How are you doing? Besides tired. Yeah.
1: Uh, tired. <laughs> uh, that that's one. Number two, uh, you know, that, that was it for HP um as far as the season goes so as, as Boom, you mentioned close the
0: book man yeah
1: i uh, got the word a uh, second period when we were up to nothing that hey you know we'll probably need you to be on the call tomorrow night if we get to to game three and at the time was feeling pretty good you know just hold on and
0: so it's so it's well, your fault. so it's your fault it's
1: yeah apparently so <laughs> everything's my fault according to you so i mean that's <laughs> not new news um but, yeah, I know that
0: that was a tough weekend to watch. Uh, you know, it was. Uh, and I think obviously we're going to get to that in a moment here. But uh, I think the, the most difficult thing to honestly watch was the fact that you picked up the chicken finger and you didn't do the one thing you're supposed to do and dip it in the cane sauce. Man, you can't be messing around. But I got to be honest, 10 out of 10 points, the bite you took was absolutely huge. <laughs> in the studio i loved it i loved every minute of it if you haven't gotten a chance to check it out on twitter we made a gif of it um nick you look good uh out there uh it was exciting it was uh so
1: for, for those inside was that uh was that setup it was yes yeah um, but uh and also the raising cane let's say it was uh not fresh oh it was a little it, cold
0: it, it was it was free though
1: Technically. Yeah. It was was paid for by Brian Stanley, but it wasn't, you know, like they handed me a bag and said, here, here you go sport, you know, thanks for the season. So (laughs) (laughs) we've
0: appreciated everything you've done in the last five years. Here's a chicken finger. Yeah, Um, pretty much. (laughs) um, Speaking of uh, teams that don't need a chicken finger at all, let's start with the U S sled hockey team. Exciting to see them cruise to a five to nothing win in the Paralympics for a gold medal victory over Canada i'm personally excited about it my former high school hockey coach david hoff is the head coach of that team and Corey Gorder is the assistant coach and he was my assistant coach in college so excited to see a couple of the Botno boys uh getting the job done something about this u.s sled hockey team they continue to cruise and it's interesting how the conversation always shifts on the men's side uh, and even more so on the women's side where canada and the u.s are kind of powerhouses compared to the rest of hockey Well, sled hockey I would say this U S hockey team is not only on par with Canada, but they continue to just be even better. I think fourth, fourth consecutive victory uh, on the international stage for the U S team all over Canada for the most part. And I I don't know, it's just so exciting uh, to see those guys have success. You have five purple heart winners on that team. Uh, The youngest player was 17 years of age. The oldest is 41. Um, And you know, Nick, I For those who don't know, and for those who have never gotten a chance to watch a sled hockey te- game, I don't think I could ever do it. I mean, the upper body strength no. that those guys have and the physicality that they have, it's pretty darn impressive.
1: That is an understatement, honestly. Um, you know, when you watch these guys play and, you know, not only do a lot of these, you know, players have gone through just some, some personal adversity, to say it lightly, right, um, to be able to... Uh, like you mentioned, you know, you know, strap on a sled, essentially, right? Yeah. Um, go out there and compete, and it's it's not like these guys aren't throwing their weight around too. I mean, there's oh, yeah. some heavy collisions. Uh, there's some incredible skill play, and you know, essentially body control too. I mean, these sleds are, um, you know, they're they're kind of bigger type equipment, and yeah. for some of the things that I've seen. Uh, these athletes do when they're um, on the ice and you know cutting through it's like geez they got better edge work than i do on the ice it's insane um and uh they can pick corners i mean these guys are impressive and and as you mentioned you know the uh you know it's almost like a to describe it for folks who maybe never seen it and it was around the audio version, it's almost like it's the wheelchair motion as you're just kind of, yeah. the rowing your way through on the ice. Um, on the back of because you get two sticks essentially, they're mini sticks. Um, yeah. on the back is a spike, I believe, if, mm-hmm. if I recall. Yep. Yep. And essentially, that's how you, you you kind of propel yourself forward or backwards. And, um, as you mentioned, just incredible athletes, honestly. And it is actually a very It's cool to watch because it is a very high paced. It it probably surprises folks a little bit, but my goodness, yeah, they they got me beat hands down with the upper body strength. There's not even a question.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, the sleds on the bottom, people don't know this too. It's actually two blades um, that are side by side next to each other on the bottom. I always think it's crazy when they go into the corners. You know, obviously, guys have, you know, maybe an arm down or something. I mean, there's no, there's no, you know, give or take. I mean, there's just physicality. You got the sleds hitting people, you got people hitting people i mean it's a physical sport and uh, a very upper body demanding sport um and a lot of guys talk about how um you know a lot of guys who you know they are amputees or they are they lost a leg for whatever reason or they lost part of a limb they actually talk about the guys that have probably the better time are guys who actually end up losing both legs and losing them up near you know like their midsection because they're able to lean so much farther forward on their sleds and be able to have so much more control so it's kind of an interesting thing where you listen to some of these guys and you listen to their stories of you know um how they may have lost a leg or something like that and then there are some guys who they jokingly but not jokingly sometimes say I wish I could get rid of the other one sometimes when it comes to hockey because it you know it really changes the way that you're able to play and able to uh, kind of lean forward in that aspect but like you mentioned a lot of these guys just so much skill up and down and um, just incredible human beings incredible characters like we talked about some veteran guys that have been on on this team for a long time and then there are some young guys that uh, you know Coach Hoff has selected Uh, to really focus on being the future for USA Hockey and their program really got jump-started in the, you know, mid-2000s, 2007, 2008, and ever since then have really took off with their development camps and really gained a lot of access, not only at the Olympic level, but for, you know, regional activities. I mean, here in Minot, we've got a bunch of sled hockey things going on too, and it's just so exciting uh, to see all the developments related to that. So congratulations to the U.S. sled hockey team uh, and their performance. Moving over to another tournament that, eh, it's big, I guess. Uh, the state tournament. Maybe
1: <laughs> Minnesota
0: yeah. High School Hockey, a great game between Hermantown and Warro, a 3-2 to two score on that one. But what takes the cake? Uh, double and A, no. or, holy smokes, man. What a game. 6-5. to five. Uh, You know, I, uh, I got to be honest with you, Nick, uh, and someone else said this on Twitter, and we got a chance to watch both the overtimes, especially after the Huskies game. That second overtime especially, I, I got to be honest, we've talked about, you know, games of the games of the decade, games of the century, whatever you want to call it. That, I would say, at least is probably top five best hockey games I have ever watched. I mean, it was insanity from start to finish, how wide open it was, how much pace there was, especially for being a double overtime game with a bunch of high school kids in front of 19,500 people. Insane. Insane. That's
1: slightly sad. Um, caught the end of the first overtime after the Huskies game was over uh, from our overtime defeat and then stuck around and, and watched uh, there in the studio all the way through the uh, the double overtime game winner for Andover. And yeah, I mean, holy cow. Uh, just an incredible showing by these younger kids on a, on a big stage, right? I think what often gets overlooked is, you know, it's the state tourney, there's nerves, you know, these kids are young. It, this is, you know, something that, you know, they look up to, you know, as they're growing up, you know, like any kid you know, who play, you know, this is where they want to be. So there's always some some jitterbugs or whatnot that they're going through. But, you know, as you mentioned, uh, fa- 10 goals in regulation and then just a kind of a goofy broken play that end up, uh, uh, you know, finding a, an end over bounce, right? And it's, it, yeah. it's tough for... For Maple Grove, there, um, because that's, I mean, there's no goaltender in the world, despite how good both goaltenders were playing in that hockey yeah. game. Um, my goodness, but but that's sort of the way those games end up, right? Is you kind of get a crazy bounce and a a fortuitous rebound, and and it's an opportunistic goal. And so, congratulations to Andover on their two double A success. And uh, my goodness, uh, again. Uh, just another reason this entire tournament shows why Minnesota state high school hockey. And then just again, why we are actually a state of hockey, sorry, Massachusetts. Um, (laughs) you know, it's just, it's just incredible. And, uh, let's just say there was also a lot of comparisons to uh, the broadcast crew versus maybe another entity
0: nationally, but we'll leave that at bay. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Uh, exciting to watch the game, Jim Erickson, as you're referring to, by the way, I'd mm-hmm. like to mention uh, for 45 TV, obviously radio voice for the San St. Cloud State Huskies just does a fantastic job. The ultimate professional and Jim is always uh, a good time to talk to whenever you get a chance to see him or listen to him. Just, you know, one of the best voices in the game and, uh, um you know one of the kindest human beings as well yes yeah fantastic and uh i don't know i I always uh i know for you and i it's in a sense it's just jim but i think you know it's sometimes kind of a pinch me moment till two to see him because you know he's done the tournament for so long and it's like you know he is just jim to us but really the way he broadcasts he's so much more than that and what he brings to the table he's done a couple of nhl games obviously on the radio call too um and it's just if you've never gotten a chance, especially to listen to a Huskies hockey game on the radio, you've got to listen to Jim call a hockey game because what he brings to the table, obviously listening to the tournament as well too on forty five TV, but uh um yeah, just what he brings to the table, uh he, couldn't be happier for him. And uh, really hope he does get that shot in the NHL one day before he does say sayonara to the broadcasting world. Uh, another tournament that we're also going to be paying attention to as well before we get to our men's hockey. Women's hockey, the frozen four is set, by the way. Uh Northeastern beat Wisconsin by a score of four to two. Four two. Yeah. Yale just edging out. Colgate the other night. Duluth beating Minnesota on Minnesota's uh, oh, oh, by a score of two to one. And then Ohio State, the other ends or NCHC WCHA team, uh, beating Quinnipiac by a score of four to three in overtime. So Duluth is going to face Northeastern now, and Yale is going to get Ohio State. The two winners will meet each other uh, upcoming for a national championship. So uh, exciting to see women's hockey and see where they are headed there. Uh, yeah. Other? Yeah.
1: I, I just I don't. I think the table's set pretty good for Northeastern to run away with this. Um, yeah. They're Such a good hockey team and uh, best goaltender and women's college hockey on that squad as well. So um, how about Duluth? They've had a pretty bad hockey weekend, right?
0: She's uh, <laughs> uh, um, but I don't yeah. I don't want to talk about it. But guess what, Nick? We kind of have to. We're yeah. about to talk about it. Here we go. Uh, trivia question this week. Uh, St. Cloud, uh, they've won four uh, series in the NCHC quarterfinals. Did you know that, Nick? Um, mm, that, sure. That number is <laughs> still the same after this weekend. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. They, they found themselves down one uh against Duluth yesterday. Uh, how many of St. Cloud State's first-round series have gone to three games? And uh, who was the latest opponent in a three-game affair?
1: Wasn't it many? Was it only one or two? Uh,
0: it's only one. Uh, I th- you probably know the opponent too. I would think.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. Miami. Yeah, it is yeah. Miami. I, I remember. Work- yeah, I remember Rich- uh,
0: following that series uh,
1: because that was uh, the Ryan Palin area and uh, there was uh, that that team was definitely, you know, stacked and Miami was not as not where they were right now, but they were certainly on the decline and uh, it was uh, a shocking overtime uh, win for Miami in game number two to send that to three games. And uh, I was to say if Huskies fans are in a panic now. Uh, at that moment, uh, trust me, it was pandemonium uh, there for a little bit. So, Yeah,
0: 2008-17-18, uh, St. Cloud won games 1-3 and three in that series to advance the NCHC Frozen faceoff. Uh, kind of interesting when you look back in history, Miami actually had an NCHC quarterfinal in which they swept the St. Cloud State Huskies as well, too. So kind of interesting to see the different directions of the programs. But men's hockey... Uh, yeah, dropping a very flat hockey game on that Friday night by a score of 5-2. to two. A much, much, much better effort. A great start for the Huskies yesterday. Thought the second period was okay about dead even. The Huskies get, get a bounce. Third period, uh, Duluth definitely turned the tide shots 13-1 to 1 in that third period. A, a very good push uh, from Scott Sandlin's group. And, and then I honestly think besides the first couple minutes and the and the bounce for Duluth at the end, I thought St. Cloud was maybe the better team in overtime. You know, a crossbar and a swing and a miss away from maybe putting that one to a game three. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we didn't get the result that we were looking for in St. Cloud State. We'll have a week to wait to see their fate in the NCAAs and see where they are headed as they are a lock in the regional tournament. We're going to talk about uh, some college hockey things around the regionals as well too. But uh, Nick, yeah, Huskies nation, not happy with this one. Um, Nor I think, shouldn't they be. No. Yeah. You know, I think the, I think the first thing that needs to be said though um, and guess what, Nick, we're go- we're going back to the fans. We're going back to social media here. Uh, why, why are you all acting surprised? And, and I and I say that and I say that in the most respectful way, and I mean that because you've watched this team all season. Why suddenly do you expect them to be something different than they are? You know what I mean? Like I understand it. I understand it's playoff time. I understand it's tournament time. But it's also but it's also like at, at the same time, like. Let's just pump the brakes here a little bit. Like it, it's gonna be what it's gonna be. Like you, like we talked about in MNCAA, the Huskies are not gonna suddenly make some giant offensive shift, you know, or they're not gonna make some huge defensive adjustment. They are what they are. They're tenth in the pairwise right now. They are who they are. Sit back, enjoy the ride. Might be frustrating. Might be exciting. It is what it is, man. Obviously it sucks that they lost. It sucks that they sucked on Friday. It sucks that they sucked in the third period on Saturday. A lot of those things sucked. but I mean geez, like if, if you're a fan, act like one. You know what I mean? Like just well, they but, are like, technically, just relieved. right. right. But <laughs> it just and, and I under and I understand the frustration, but like some of the things that people are people say on social media still, guys, they're college kids, <laughs> are college kids playing college hockey, but nonetheless, Nick, what was your actual assessment of the weekend related to uh, the fans or the play on the ice?
1: Well, it's, well, I don't really, this is going to sound bad, but you know, the fans are going to be emotionally invested. They are who they are. That's, that's yeah. fine. I don't really want to focus on the fans. That's not, that's not why I'm here. I'm, I'm here to focus on the team that's in front of me. However, I will say there are some red flags that are very oh, sure. giant yeah. right now. Um, Let me break down my thoughts. Uh, Friday, I I think I can empathize with Husky Nation where you took home ice just five days prior and you come out and you acted like you didn't need to play hockey. That was an absolutely atrocious and terrible game on Friday. There's no sugarcoating it. That was embarrassing. Um, And then on top of that, you you know, you, you... I think what really hurt the squad the most and I am i don't know what it is, but Seamus Donahue, man. I mean, I, I get it. There's, there's emotions, there's frustration that are involved, especially when you're not, you know, things aren't going your way. And, you know, for someone who I know, Seamus is, he, he takes a lot of pride in what he does, but then the back-to-back penalties that led to the four-to-two lead for UMD and that hockey game. And, you know, he was essentially pretty much put on the end of the bench for most of the remaining third and uh, then said, Hey, uh, the message was sent by Brett Larson uh, and so he kind of forced them to scratch him um, uh, for Saturday's game. And it's one of those where it was a necessary move, but also for an assistant captain, what in the heck is going on here? This is not, especially now, right? That I think this is where the Husky fandom frustration is, is these are the kind of losses that you have in October and November, not in March um, and and I think that's where, with Husky Nation still clinging on to a return to the Frozen Four championship, and that's where really everyone's fixated on. Yeah, there's there's I think the frustrations building for the fan base because I think Noah, we can all see that the chances of that happening right now with this team are not very good. Let's yeah. just put it that way: that the team is just not playing consistently. They're they're not. Uh, not every fast of the game is clicking, you know, whether it's five on five or, I mean, the power play eight opportunities, the nation's best. And granted, those numbers have been inflated all season. Um, only one power play goal. Um, it's just, and again, you know, just not great overall performance on the weekend. And so there's a lot of things for Huskies fans to be nervous about. Uh, I'm nervous for the team. And right now, I mean,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, the only thing I would argue is, to say it was not a great performance on the weekend. I don't know that I'd go that far. I mean, I thought, I thought yesterday you take out period three, quite obviously Huskies were the better team, man. You know what I mean? And they ran, they ran, they ran into a team that had absolutely nothing to lose throwing the kitchen sink at them in period number three. You know what I mean? Now, like, like we talked about, like you just mentioned, Holding a lead is imperative, and the Huskies have shown multiple times throughout the season that they have a really recently tough time doing. And it. And recently, doing yes, it. Yep. yes. And I'll and I'll agree with you hundred and ten percent. Part of that is the undisciplined nature, but at the same time, I, you know, that overtime was St. Clouds to lose. You know, that power play looked exceptional in the overtime. You know, they had a, a lot of grade-A chances, a, a a real, for lack of a better, better term, a real shit bounce, you know, in the game winner with that deflection. Um, I mean, it is what it is. That's an OT goal for you. Um, one of the best starts that we've seen in that building since probably going back to last year at the end of the regular season uh, for for the first period, shots 16-2, to two, um, you know, in period number one for the Huskies. Second period was dead even, and Yami Kranila was able to pot one-two. There was a,
1: a, an opposite of the first, but yeah.
0: Yeah. W- yeah. It was a train wreck obviously. Um, But you know, Duluth capitalized on the momentum early, good response from Nick Perbix. The lone shot on goal in period number three was a goal for the Huskies. So uh, it's good to see them, yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah, you know, we, yeah. we, we've kind of, we've kind of t- talked about it though, where the last year's hockey team. And I think that's the new comparison. I think it always will be. Um, Last year's hockey team, one of the things that they did so well that this year's team unfortunately struggles to do is when they, because last year's team, we talked about it so much, was not a powerhouse of a team by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. They were not an offensive juggernaut and they were not a defensive shutdown specialist. But one of the things, and this goes back to the loss of Jared Cockrell and Will Hammer, Mm -hmm. is that when they were hemmed in their own zone or when they were not controlling parts of the hockey game, there wasn't a lot of panic. There was a lot of control when it came to defending. And St. Cloud, for lack of a better term, sat back in period number three and kind of let the storm come to him um Mm -hmm. and i know that there's a there's a comment on that where you should be turning the tide the other way there are some games i gotta be honest where you are on your heels for 10 minutes and you're you're surviving a push that happens sometimes saint cloud obviously was one goal away from surviving that push but this team uh, for whatever reason just doesn't have the ability to kind of weather a storm and stave off multi-goal chances when that happens you know only allowing one or less essentially um Part of that is the undisciplined nature. You mentioned a little bit with Seamus Donahue. I want to go back. We're going to talk about another player, and that's Easton Brodzinski. Another couple of penalties this weekend. Now, I want to say another thing, Nick. Um, and I saw this – I saw this uh, – I, I saw I saw a tweet from, from Mike Brodzinski the other day. And, like, I, I don't know Mike very well. Um, I, I don't agree with a lot of his takes on a lot of things. Um, but I also realize that that's his kid. Um, and it's also – I want to say this flat out, everyone on social media, just be really careful about what you're saying about players. Uh, that goes with Seamus Donahue too. Just just be really careful about how you approach that sometimes. I understand he's taken a lot of undisciplined penalties, but I just want to put that out there. Just remember he's a college hockey player. Like, Let's just take a deep breath. Now, Nick, the thing with Easton Brzezinski, and I want to ask you this, he's taken some undisciplined penalties. He's taken some penalties that I don't know if you characterize them as undisciplined or they're just hockey plays, but for whatever reason, he just has the bug of, uh, you know, a thousand penalties or whatever it is. I mean, Mm -hmm. can you kind of, can you kind of take us into the mind of what it's like to be Easton Brodzinski right now and why this, why these penalty woes are kind of happening for him? And it's not, it it hasn't been characteristic of what, has been his play for the previous four years? Well, it's a
1: simple, it's a simple answer. Um, he's a goal scorer. He's not scoring. Yeah. That's just it. Um, whether it's five on five or, you know, man advantage, uh, he is not contributing to the team the way that he knows he can. He's not also doing it in the way that the coaching staff is relying on them on to do that. And again, you know, you talk about, you know, some other uh guys this weekend who were quiet offensively right um i mean the international line finally broken up um again in saturday's game uh Kranula and uh okabi and they 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 broke up the flying fins so yet slides up um uh to i think the walker Brodzinski line was last night yep um you know you're you're, do, you're trying to find a spark for both those guys i mean vd's been a ghost um and, but the one thing with vd is you know He's not scoring, but he's not shooting himself in the foot per se. He's, he's still not a great defensive player by any means. In fact, I would say he's one of the one of the, the ones that needs the most work, yeah. uh, especially along the boards. But uh, back to Easton, that's just it. He, he he's not getting the bounces. He's not finding the back of the net to the uh, to the ways he's he's used to. And uh, the the one thing again, and this goes back to NHL coaching is. If you're not scoring, don't get scored on, or don't allow a situation where the other team can get an advantage to score on you. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, these penalties are coming in inopportune times. Um, And unfortunately, the, the, you know, a lot's been made about the St. Cloud State power play, but again, the penalty has not been great either as of late. So you're seeing, uh, again, this trickle down effect from these penalties. And it's really throwing, you know, St. Cloud for loot. They're, They're a team that needs, to be more five on five, if, if they're going to be successful to roll multiple lines and, and to get their fort check going. And, and when you have to stall out because of penalties, it, it just hurts this team's dynamic. And uh, again, you know, I'm not saying that Easton's the one I'll be all because he's certainly not the only one. we were talked about a couple and um, they're not the only two that are taking penalties. Let's remind you, but it seems like their names have been uh, heading more to the box, more frequent, um, you know, as of late to I me. Mean, we talked about Sam Hentges also, uh, you know, that that five-minute charging major on Friday that really could have, you know, stifled any sort of comeback to uh, late in the third um, in Friday's game. So just the team, you know, again, it, it shows that even the team is frustrated. You know, the players are frustrated,
0: and I think yeah. that um, that's that's really what's going on. I kind of I like how you mentioned that, too, where it's maybe not even so much, you know, that Brodzinski and Donahue are taking penalties. It's that the team is not – they haven't been able to back them up in that situation. One of the things yep. that you're looking for when you take a penalty is for your team to kind of pick you up a little bit. And penalty kill-wise, it hasn't been that great. Before we take a look around the college hockey world, I also wanted to get your, your quick take, uh, a couple of things here. One of the things I was also kind of disappointed to see, and I understand it was state tournament weekend, so I know it plays a role, and I know it's spring break – Uh, Gee, I still think we could probably could have packed the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center this weekend. Yeah. Um, Yikes. We were at uh, 51 and 54 percent capacity uh, for both games this weekend. Um, Kind of a difficult thing to take a look at. But, okay, if you're St. Cloud, uh, you've got a week off. Tournament time. You await your fate. I What's the adjustment that needs to be made, if anything, during tournament time? What is your plan? What is your focus if you're St. Cloud? Uh, now it's winner take all. Uh, you're going to the big dance. Uh, it's in
1: between the ears now, I think. Um, if There's is, is one thing that I've have really been worried about what this team is, and especially the way that this last weekend transpired, right? Uh, you're feeling good. You get home ice. You feel like, okay, we've got an advantage, right? Uh, Nope. So, you know, it's not a great way to head into the NCAA tournament. Now, mind you, there's no guarantees yet that they're in. Uh, I know that they say 100%. Yes, yes, there is. Yes,
0: there is. Mathematically, I did the math. Yes, they're in. I did it. Well, we're going to talk about it in about five seconds. But let's
1: let's do it this way.
0: Um, Mathematically, they're in.
1: Mentally, I'm not 100% confident. Um, Okay.
0: But I I still just told you what was up. Anyway. (laughs) Let's rephrase
1: because uh, I I think Noah Grant's got a chip on his shoulder this morning. So uh, no, but uh, at at the end of the day, you know th- this team is not positioned well. Uh, you're going to be off a lot. I-, I know that one thing with the frozen faceoff that teams like, regardless of how easy the result is, you're still playing some some meaningful hockey. Um, in in a sense, preparation for the NCAA tournament. Um, all four teams that will be heading there this weekend um, well, are padding their cases to do it. They'll they'll be there. So um, and again, you know, it's going to be a week and a half for this team to kind of st- let it stew um, for these last few weeks. So that that could be a good thing as far as preparation. Um, does this team need rest? Do you know, what is it? You know, they need to me, I'm worried about their confidence and I'm worried about, you know, what's going on in here. Um, cause how do you shake off, you know, losing two at home? Um, I can't even remember if it was the last, the last time they got swept at home in an NCAA quarterfinal. It's probably been a while. If not, I don't really recall one. They um, they haven't, I don't think. So at the end of it, this is new territory. Um, if there's anything, maybe a positive is, you know, this team has shown that they can respond when, you know, they've had a bad outing. Now the question is, can they respond for a full 60 minutes consistently and to be able to, you know, pull one in the win call? And that's going to be the bigger question. So uh, I don't know. Um, I'm worried about this team. I won't lie to you. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And I think that the team itself, they're worried about the, their confidence moving forward.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, in a, in an odd way, I'm not worried at all. And I say that because you either continue to win hockey games or you're done. You know what I mean? Like we're we're at that point where worry doesn't really get you anywhere. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) they're going to go out and they're going to play. And I, I guess I I'm trying to look at the positive, I guess, like Enjoy the ride. You know, the Huskies may have one game left. They may have four left. Who knows? You know what I mean? Like tournament time is tournament time, and we've seen crazier things happen. I mean, would it be the most St. Cloud State thing ever to have a really poor second half of the season then suddenly find unbelievable life in the NCAA tournament? I mean, think crazier things have happened um you know but st cloud uh, thankfully for them did their work in the first half of the season to get themselves to this point in uh the pairwise at least so let's kind of take a look around the college hockey world shall we um i did more math yesterday for better or worse nick um and from what i've seen is that uh going through the conference obviously atlantic hockey like we talked about one auto bid at 16 uh that's either going to be 32 aic 45 air force 39 Mercyhurst, 34 Sacred Heart, or 38 RIT. So one of those teams will fill that 16 slot. Uh, The ECAC, um, one more team could go, and one is a lock. So Quinnipiac is the only one that is locked in. Uh, 16 Clarkson, 32 Colgate uh, is going to get 24 Cornell. So one of those two teams will play. Um, And Harvard at 23 is going to play 41 RPI. So the winners of Colgate, Cornell, and a Harvard RPI will get Clarkson and Quinnipiac. So Quinnipiac is in. But if somebody else other than Quinnipiac wins that tournament, they're also into that tournament as well. So there's one slot for you there uh, that could change. Uh, The CCHA, uh, great success story right now for Bemidji Bemidji, State. Bemidji, yeah. um, Looking good for them. So one lock, obviously, Mankato, number one in the country. Bemidji State is the other one that could go. So you got two slots there. Um, uh, Hockey East, one of them will go in this tournament. Uh, Up to four of them could go in the tournament. Uh, 14 Northeastern, 13 UMass Lowell, 11 UMass. So UMass Lowell and UMass actually play each other, and 19 UConn gets 14 Northeastern. So I don't see all four of them going, but there is a scenario in which all four of them could make the case. And four. I'll tell
1: you what that lock you say with St. Cloud.
0: Mm-mm. If all four of those make it, that's what I'm saying, though, Nick. Here's the scenario: you've got two potential teams that could come from the ECAC. Or hockey, or excuse me, the CCHA. But if that happens, three or less from hockey east will go, meaning five teams, five teams, max could do that plus the auto bid. But for hockey east, up to four going usually should mean that both the CCHA and the ECAC squads both don't make it. I think that's the only scenario. So at max, I have five slots that could be taken, which would be slots eleven. Through 15, and then the 16th slot with the auto bid. So I think St. Cloud is the last team right now that has locked their position in the tournament based on what I see from the pairwise and what can happen with these conference tournaments. Because the thing to remember is both all these teams are going to kind of beat up on each other. Um, I think the only way that four could go is if UMass Lowell beats a UMass and then loses to UConn, who is 19 right now. That's the only scenario in which I could see four even getting a shot. And even then, Mankato has to win, and Bemidji State has to lose in the CCHA. And in the ECAC, Quinnipiac needs to take that tournament um, for them to have all four teams. So really, it's not as cut and dry. Uh, in terms of it being wide open, I think one in 10 are still safe. So that'd be Mankato, Michigan, Denver, Minnesota, Western, North Dakota, Quinnipiac, Notre Dame, Duluth, and then St. Cloud. So to kind of recap, Atlantic Hockey gets an auto bid. ECAC has one team locked in. Hockey East has nobody locked in right now. Uh, The CCHA has one in Mankato. Big 10 has three. That's Michigan, Minnesota, and then Notre Dame. And then the NCHC has five right now, including St. Cloud. So St. Cloud is like, the tail end of the locks. They just made the cut from what I can see as far as the way that the tournaments are going to shake out. So um, I don't know, but where does St. Cloud end up? God, they could be a four seed, Nick. They could end up getting Minnesota. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Um, I'm I'm curious to see, do you think Bemidji state can pull it off in the CCHA, by the way? Well, they have shown
1: that uh, come tournament time, they, they're a, a brand of hockey that can frustrate teams. Um, so no question uh, they could do it. Um, you know, you can <laughs> it's one of those teams that you can almost you never really pay too much attention to because they're not a great regular season team. Um, but come tournament time, this is the brand of hockey they play. Um, they have the ability to upset, especially offensive heavy teams. Um, we saw that with uh, Cole Caulfield last year and Wisconsin, getting else in the first round. And it was an upset that I had picked on my board just because of the way um that series was kind of shaping out but it, it's no question i just realistically though if the mavericks were to lose to bemidji here um it, it, with how good the mavericks are i mean it was an 8-1 they walked over northern michigan it was oh my goodness it was not yeah. even close um it, it, dropping that to bemidji would be um would be pretty eye-opening for for a lot of the college hockey world but you can't rule them out that's for sure
0: yeah, if anything, could maybe just potentially change what the Parawise would say. I still think they're a top four team in the country. Obviously, uh, yep. Minnesota did what they had to do. They survived a bit of a scare against Penn State the other day. So I think yep. that they are they are going to be a four seed because if they lose, they lose to Michigan, and if Michigan yep. loses, you know they're. I don't think the teams changed spots. Denver is a buzzsaw powerhouse. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious to see what they do with Duluth. If they have a uh, bulldog meat for breakfast, uh, so to speak, uh, I could definitely see it um, right before we go on to our extra ice session, which is some Jack Eichel stuff. I, uh, how about we talk about some Minnesota wild real quick, by the way, the Minnesota sure. wild have, have been in action uh, for this past week. Um, and it's been kind of an up and down week for this club. Couple of good signs, couple of things that have been kind of moved, but I think they've been trending in a better direction-ish yeah. as of late. Uh so to kind of recap since our last show, uh six three loss against Dallas. That was a very poor second period. That was a bad uh, one. Good response against the Rangers, a five to two win on home ice Uh a weird hockey game, a six to five shootout win against Detroit, and then losing uh Getting losing a, a lead with the extra attacker in the dying mm-hmm. moments against Columbus, and then a shootout loss against the Blue Jackets. The um, Wild have Nashville today on Sunday, uh, Boston at home on Wednesday, and then Chicago uh, the, this upcoming Saturday. All those games at home. The, the Miko uh,
1: Koivu's retirement also tonight as well.
0: Yeah, actually, the Wild have a nine-game homestand. Yep. coming up. So um hopefully that is helpful for this club but Nick uh just a quick thought on the Minnesota Wild what have you seen this week anything you like anything you don't like uh is this team going to make the playoffs
1: <laughs> I think they're a playoff team however you know defensively oh boy that's their biggest concern right now um goodness gracious what was it uh 9 or 10 games in a row they gave up more than four goals um, not great. So um the the good news and why I'm not as you know writing them off as other people have is in those games that they were losing, they were still scoring a lot of goals. It was just they were losing what six five, five, four. It was just so the offense is still there. Um, but you need to tighten things up in your own end, um, for sure. The the loss of Matt Dumber for a while wasn't helping. Um, you know, I, I know that there's still some eyes on on the goaltending duo and are they really good enough to get them over the hump Uh, to me. I don't really see it as much of a goaltending issue as I see that the five that are in front of them, um, could you make an upgrade sure is that really going to help you maybe a little but I do think it's more about the structure in front of them so um, better as of late you know even despite the overtime loss they're given not giving up as many goals um, as they have been in the past but that's a trend that needs to continue to go that way if they're gonna uh, be a much deeper push like they were earlier in their season so that's uh, overall I'm not that concerned about them, but uh, just need to tighten things up and the injuries and lineup changes haven't helped that a lot of those matters either
0: yeah I definitely agree agree i don't think we're as panicked as we were last week i think there were some good signs throughout the week kind of a weird game detroit actually played really well against the wild the other night um a couple of really nice goals for them i Quite a quite a Donnybrook at the end of period number two, by the way. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. Well, um,
1: for two yeah. teams that don't play each other very much, that well, that was emotionally charged hockey game. Oh,
0: that that, that was some old school Western Conference stuff. Yes, there, it was. Yeah, um, that was. Um, I was. Although we're, st-
1: we're still not their mo- their least favorite squad. Uh, that's the Colorado Avalanche. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's no that's no joke. Uh, when I was out there in 2017, um, catching the final wild appearance at Joe Louis Arena, mind you that was a hell of an experience. I'll tell you that the the Detroit fan base love them or hate them. They, that around uh, Joe Louis that was a passionate group of fans. And we were sitting down at a bar after the overtime loss. Again, on that game, that was a star Sunday matchup. It was Andreas Anthony, that beat uh, a sprawling Devin doom. because that's apparently the only thing you like to do to try to make a save.
0: (laughs) Um,
1: But uh, we're at a bar after the game and, you know, they're definitely, they're proper hockey fans. I will say it that way, yeah. you know, having a couple beers and just chatting. They're like, you know what? You guys are a good team. We'll be fine. He goes just do me a favor. Cause can you just beat Colorado in the playoffs? <laughs> so they're still, they're still salty with, with that team. And uh, I think that's a rivalry that uh, runs very, very deep. And uh, uh, so, yeah, you, you got to give a shout out to the Detroit fan base. And yeah, that was, that was a, vi- that was a, a more uh, charged up game than I was expecting honestly. But yeah, that was still yeah. fun. That was a good old, like you said, uh, old fashioned, uh, all the Western conference for hockey there in yeah. Detroit, Minnesota.
0: You know what? My final thought in the Minnesota wild, by the way, um, and I actually think a little more defensively as of late, you know, who I think has looked okay, especially after being hurt. I think Matt Dumbos looked all right, to be honest with you. I know he gets a lot of flack, but I gotta be honest. I, I mean, the past couple of games, I think that he's been somewhat defensively responsible and I think offensively he's trying to push, hasn't really produced a whole lot, but um, I think he's looked okay. I mean, he's looked all right. I mean, he's trying to get back in game shape. You
1: know, when you're losing an injury, you know that's yeah, he was out for a little bit. You know, it's going to take a little time to get back, and uh, he'll he'll be fine. I'm I'm not that worried about it. Um, again, I'm more worried about the 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 forward group, I should say. Uh, you know, coming back to the zone uh, to the neutral zone of the back check, and then just especially the way that they are playing offensively when you know the defense are so free you know they have the freedom i should say to to kind of get on the offense to pinch you know it's just making sure that the forwards that they're covering um are playing the right angles that you know there's still a third guy high so that way if there is a turnover especially at the blue lines that you have you know pressure coming back and so well i don't know we'll see
0: yeah but nick brendan (laughs) Manel. yeah what about him (laughs) yeah someone about him somebody probably has an argument there. Kalen Addison has looked uh, kind of up and down too, by the way. I wonder if, I wonder if Alex Goligosky is going to be a cap casualty, by the way. I know that Minnesota had thoughts of bringing him back next season, but I don't know if.
1: I mean, I there's, there's a conversation you have to have with him. You know, if he's going to come back, it's not going to be at the 5 million. And I think, uh, I know Michael Russo had, Actually made this exact same point uh, for the athletic uh, actually a couple months ago that there was already interest from Bill Guerin to try to re ink Alex Kalagowski to an extension and um, just laid it out just like that is you know he's going to have to take a, a hometown discount if he wants to stay um, the problem is is you know the good thing for Minnesota and also a bad thing for for Alex Kalagowski maybe is he's getting up there in age. Um, mm-hmm. So he's not the most fleet of foot anymore. He's still a very rock solid, you know, uh, two way defenseman. Um, and the other problem is, could he probably get more on the market than what he could probably sign in Minnesota? Probably. Um, I bet if he went to Chuck Fletcher, you get a nice deal. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, that, and that's just it. You know, I, I think you'll see Galagoski test the market because I think there is, um, I think there is a market for him outside of Minnesota. Um, The question is going to be for, you know, is it that much more advantageous for him financially or does it make more sense? I don't want to see, but I do think that's a post season type uh, conversation rather than a trade deadline conversation.
0: Just hang on to Kevin
1: Fiala. That's all I'm
0: saying. Anyway. Oof that Anyways. will do it that will do it for the regular portion of the show here for episode number 103 we're going to head over to our extra i session where uh, a certain nhl superstar if you will said some super starry things <laughs> welcome into the extra i session episode number one zero three on the hwh podcast nick and uh, a certain guy uh, that used to play for the Buffalo Sabres, uh, didn't get along with the Buffalo Sabres. The Buffalo Sabres tried to control his own body, said, I don't want to play for the Buffalo Sabres. And the Buffalo Sabres moved said Buffalo Sabres player away from the Buffalo Sabres to the Vegas Golden Knights. Then the Vegas Golden Knights went and played the Buffalo Sabres. The uh, Buffalo Sabres beat the Vegas Golden Knights. And the player that was on the Sabres and now plays for the Knights had some things to say about the Buffalo Sabres. Nick, we're talking I'm, about... I've, I'm lost. (laughs) Yeah. We're talking about Jack Eichel, who made his return to Buffalo, Uh, obviously, for those who don't know, had uh, a bit of a dispute in which he was injured about a year and a half ago-ish, something like that, that. and uh, yeah, wanted to get a particular surgery that was more... Flexible, quite literally, in terms of what his neck could do for his neck injury. The Buffalo Sabres wanted him to get uh, essentially fusion surgery that would fuse a couple of vertebrae in his back, which obviously it's a life-altering decision for uh, Jack Eichel. Uh, The Sabres wanted to go that route. Jack Eichel wanted to go another, wasn't happy with it, and ultimately led to him being dealt uh, for Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck, who both had a goal in that contest against Jack Eichel. Um, how about that, huh? <laughs> so, so, you, so you you kind of wondered, you kind of wondered how Jack Eichel was going to respond. Uh, was he going to go the professional route? Uh, and instead, Nick, uh, this is what he shows. Thing that it's over you got yeah, I'm pretty happy it's over. Uh, Let's move on. Were you surprised at the level of
1: the intensity of the crowd? The That's about the loudest I've heard this place ever. <laughs> really after after uh, it only took seven years and me leaving for them to uh, get into the game but uh yeah I mean I'm sure there was mixed uh you know it was a nice tribute and uh you know um there was plenty of people here that were supporting me and there' was plenty of people here that were booing me so uh they must just be booing me because they wish I was still here I don't know um you know it is what it is I mean I'm not the first kid to deal with it so just move on and uh yeah it was a tough
0: game you know give them credit they played hard Kind of interesting, uh, and interesting that the video tribute, I don't know if you saw this, but the video tribute, uh, some cheers, some boos, but it was actually done, it wasn't actually from the Buffalo Sabres. The thank mm-hmm. you tribute was actually from all the medical facilities and from the children's places where he was able to volunteer. thought that was a bit of an interesting twist. Mm-hmm. Nick, what do you think about Jack Eichel's comments? You and I have not talked about this before on the show. I'm curious to see if we agree or disagree here.
1: Oh, I know we're going to disagree. Because since when do we agree? Um, <laughs> I, honestly, I think it's being more blown up than it really is. Uh, to be honest with you, yeah. um, you know, he's absolutely right. Actually, you know, it's it, it. You know, his beef wasn't with the teammates or the coaches. It wasn't like that. It, his beef was with, and, and I, I want to set the table correctly because I think there were some points in your open that. Um, That are missed uh, and and just technicalities more than anything, right? Spinal fusion. What I know. are Are we pulling Max Beach in this? Where Where is he? Uh, I don't know. He's, <laughs> he's, he's having a better morning than we are. I'll put you yeah. that way. Um, so, but so the, the spinal fusion surgery, mind you for whether it's athletes or just even you and I just normal washed up Joe's, right. That's been sort of the medical standard for a while when it comes to just you know, for a herniated discs, right. Um, now it, it, with anything with science or anything that's new, right. There's always hesitation, you know, is it really, the, the best way to go and granted yes spinal fusion as you mentioned um is not a permanent you know you'd go in once and you're done type deal right there's there's uh there there's follow-up surgeries that have to happen you know there's there's constant uh needing to for checkups on those and, and even with this new surgery we don't know that much more about it other than the fact that it's supposed to alleviate a lot of those um, extra risks per se versus the spinal fusion surgery so you know i, I get it you know if from the from the sabers organization perspective you're looking at something that clearly on paper right seems to have advantages but just doesn't have the historical data that says this is i'm comfortable with this change right so i understand that and for for jack I and mean, to give him a credit that he was willing to put it you know his body on the line per se, right? To say, you know what? I see what's on the paper. Yeah, you know, there's not a whole lot of history here, but I'm willing to take that risk because I think that over the long term, it's going to be more beneficial for me. And uh, so he did it and, you know, end up uh, constituting the trade uh, to Vegas. And again, Buffalo, uh, I think regardless of Michael, and I think this is the part that's going to blow your mind. You no, know, and I'm actually kind of curious about this. And I- I'm, I'm definitely purposely setting up the question like this. Would the Buffalo Sabres still have to make a move with Jack Kyle if he was not injured? I almost would argue they did regardless, just because of the way that they they really did fail as an organization to build around him. Um, Mind you, he was number two past Connor McDavid, right? He he was the number two overall pick in 15. And uh, for a long time, they weren't able to rise that program out of the depths of NHL basement. So I don't know. I, I still feel like, the move was necessary regardless just to give him a clean slate and you know you got to credit Buffalo you know the, they fed the energy off of the fan base and uh yeah yeah there's there's some cynicism of the fans is you know you look at it from a from that nor you know average Joe perspective it's you know just you know a superstar NHL player you know trying to be in control and you know just being picky and you know whatnot but no it's it's surgery is not something that you know it, it's a it's a it's a lot of decisions that go into you know choosing what's right for you and your body right um and i think the fan base is just i don't know i think they do i think he is right i think they wish they had him back um i think they wish that the organization itself uh did a better job of building around them they would be in a much different position than they are now and uh yeah i just think he's obviously he's ready just to, to move on with it glad he get out of the way and he just wants to play hockey you now
0: yeah in the six and a half years that uh He was with the Buffalo Sabres. They did not play in a single playoff game. Also, thank you to uh, Matthew Bove at Matt underscore B-O-V-E for uh, that clip that we pulled from Twitter there, by the way. But, you know, one of the things that's interesting, too, and we talked about the limitations of what a spinal fusion, you know, does. And it's different if he's not a hockey player, quite obviously. It's different Mm -hmm. if he's an average Joe who's not going to be, you know, in that physically intense, rigorous type piece. You made a good point about would this move happen regardless. And I, and I listened to a couple of different sources to kind of see you know, how people in and outside of Buffalo were kind of taking about this. Uh, and the Steve Dangle podcast, I uh, once again nailed it on the head. And one of the, the points that was made by one of the hosts was that when the Sabres, who tanked that season and were essentially the best possibility to get Connor McDavid, suddenly didn't get Connor McDavid, there was a lot of comments from the sabers about how they were disappointed and how they couldn't stop thinking about connor mcdavid and they talked about that's what jack eichel walked into and i agree yeah. with that 110% because you know you've got this kind of dissension knowing that you're never going to live up to the stardom that is connor mcdavid who does <laughs> yeah exactly and then and then on top of that buffalo really sucked so it's like yeah. if you're if you're jack eichel you know How badly do you really want to be in Buffalo if, like you mentioned, they can't continue to put that core around you? And it's interesting, too, because Jack Eichel has also been kind of made the villain, um, even though he decided to stay long-term. And for better or for worse, the Buffalo Sabres pay him more money than what Sidney Crosby makes. The man makes $10 million a season. And like they mentioned on the podcast as well, he's never played in a playoff game, you know. Mm -hmm. So might get his chance this year, by the way, with the Vegas Golden Knights. But might. you know, you know that it's kind of interesting because when I first heard it, I, and I, and going back to Jack Eichel, even in his BU days, I've never found Jack to be an overly mature guy. Like he's he's not he's not a guy that is your consummate pros pro. You know is going to answer the media question with with the same hockey cliche answer. And we need that in the game of hockey sometimes too, I think too. But then when I kind of went backwards and I thought, you know what, if I was playing, if I was the captain of the Buffalo Sabres, and then suddenly they told me what to do with my body, they wouldn't let me do it. So, they wouldn't let me get a surgery, so I couldn't play. So, then they stripped me of my captaincy. And while they did it, they gave me a phone call while I was standing in my driveway to tell me I wasn't the captain anymore. Haven't had a winning season, um, haven't finished better than third last in their division, actually, since Jack Eichel has been there. And he's never going to be Connor McDavid. Wouldn't you feel a little bit pissed off? Just a that's thought. no, no, like seriously, you know? that's why
1: it's like, you know, uh, there's so much focus on, on Jack Eichel. And there's a lot of missing that it was the organization that failed him quite honestly. And, and I think you set the table really well. Whereas, you know, they, they didn't get their golden goose thanks to the NHL lottery. Um, and instead of embracing, jack eichel it was almost like they were the guy that got broken up with it could get over the racks i mean you, seriously
0: you know i think and i think the frustration from a lot of fans and i and i i can see why sabers fans are mad mad too it's the same thing that we yeah. saw with a with john tavares thing too right islanders very fans. much so they're yep. a little bit mad because you know who could really help the sabers right now that'd be jack eichel um but islanders the- could also have used john tavares a lot this season too geez <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well hey but they got barry Trots, man um here's the thing here's the thing, though, is um I think the one thing that Jack could have done better um to kind of to kind of qualify this a little bit um I think that if he was able to direct his comments a little bit more towards the organization and the ownership as opposed to the Buffalo fans I think that's the only thing that I would have shifted I think it was slightly directed at the Sabres fans who you know didn't I think there were a lot of people who were ride or dive as Jack Eichel fans when he was with the Sabres. But I also think the Sabres never just had good attendance because, hey, guess what? They really sucked at hockey. You know what I mean? So it's kind of hard to to quantify that, you know, the Sabres fans are suddenly now showing up for Jack Eichel. Like they were never really there quote-unquote, for Jack Eichel, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, everyone wants to see Jack Eichel play because he was the star of the Sabres. But you're there to watch Sabres hockey. In a, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was more like if you would have maybe more directed it just at more at the ownership group a little bit. I think that was maybe my only twist. But at the same time, like we just talked about, if you've had 18 months to sit and fester on this and watch your relationship sour, and you were never the golden boy of the NHL to begin with from your draft class... Good luck, Jack. Honestly, I hope you find success with the Golden Knights. It seems like it's working out well for him. I hope that contract doesn't end up burning them in the end. I hope he stays healthy. Um, and in in the end, all things considered, I we do agree on this one, Nick. I don't blame the guy. I don't. No, no, we we, we can't at all.
1: And you know, to, to your point about the comments being directed less of the fans, less of the organization, I don't think he cares anymore. And again, I mean, it's yeah. just honestly, like I think in his mind, I mean. When you received that phone call, and you know, you, you can almost pinpoint the moment that things just really took a dive. Is you know, when you're when, you mentioned it, when you're on the if you're gonna trick somebody of a captaincy because of a medical decision, um, yeah, yeah that's really what for, happened for, and, for you, advocating for
0: themselves, yes,
1: right. And it's you know, it's not like you brought him in, and you sat him down, and, you, and it's not like he was being a bad leader, not showing up for camp or whatever, not. And there's, there's been some areas of Jack Eichel, as you mentioned that need maturing slash per se, right? So we're not completely letting Jack off a hook either, but to your point, you know, if, if that's how, if that's a micro uh, view of how he was treated by the
0: organization i mean could you imagine the stuff that we don't know
1: about well um and, the, and... Uh,
0: they also mentioned too with the steve dangle podcast they mentioned the same thing ryan o'reilly was the same way hated yeah. hated his time in buffalo hated hockey they traded him and guess what he goes and wins a stanley cup and a con Smythe. and it's mm-hmm. like you know what there is something in buffalo that really freaking stinks and that is the ownership the mm-hmm. group. yeah and Again, not to reference Steve Dangle a lot, but they just, they covered it so well. And they talked about how there have been, um, I believe in the 41 year history of the Sabres, it's been nine general managers, Jack, Mm -hmm. which is, they said was pretty impressive. uh, You know, all things considered, Jack Eichel has seen three of those. He's seen three general managers and four coaches. And it's like, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said about that, that, you know there there has been a lot of turnover and you know what for better or for worse I uh, playing on a crappy hockey team stinks I, I, I an example that I would like to mention I uh, you know there's a reason in the NCHC that Casey Gilling left Miami to go play for Duluth mm-hmm. My, Miami is a division 1 program I'm sure there's a lot of good people at Miami Miami went like 4 and 4 and 21 or something like that the season before Casey left, would you not mm-hmm. want to go play for a team that made the Frozen Four the year before? You know what I mean, like.
1: Well, what's us separate a couple of things because I, I think there's, I think this is a this is an important separation here, right? That is, there's team success, and then there is, even if you're having a down year, right? If you feel like at least the culture is there and you're being supported. Yeah. You know, that's different. Right. Um, but, you know, and I made this comment not that long ago when we talked about Miami coming to town and the, the discussions with both Chris Berger on their head coach and how I felt like his message uh, is is not necessarily targeted correctly uh it's and it's almost seems like it's a you know wash rinse repeat per se which is you know the effort isn't there and we need to do this and he's basically publicly smoking his team about that they're not really engaged in you know what has to be done to win a hockey game and even if it's true right no it's if that's your only you know stake you're gonna die on uh, that wears thin very quickly and you know do we know if that's you know, the whole story in Miami, no, we don't, right? We don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but you do mention Miami and how some folks have left the organization. You know, let's just take St. cloud. I mean, you have the opportunity for folks to sign elsewhere and, and to maybe sign professional contracts. And, you know, again, from last year's team, not to, you know, beat a dead horse, but these guys came back. So, you know, you you, you can use that as a, a, you know, you know a different example of how, you know, there's uh, what seems to be a, a very good culture with one place and maybe potentially again because we don't know uh some
0: opposites happening in other parts of the conference you know and the thing that's just so painful and and you you talked about it too is the advocacy piece and we've touched on this quite a bit but i mean that's it's all it's almost like for example you know in in our clinical practice i'll be on the med surge unit this summer it's almost like if someone comes in and they say uh, you know, here are your two options for, for, you know, surgery or whatever you want. And the patient says, well, no, I, I'd like this one instead of this one. And we said, no, you can't do that. Uh, you know, get out of here, you know, get out of the hospital. It's like, why, why are you there then? You know what I mean? So I, uh, yeah. you, you know, you, you, the piece of it's just like, again, we've talked so much about it, but I, uh, again, it took a much more personal side. I think we go back to maybe an example, Kirill Kaprizov's contract negotiations, right? And how there was some maybe bitterness between the Wild fan base and maybe some people about the way that that was going to be handled. Thank the freaking Lord we did not trade him because he has 73 points right now, 30 goals and 43 assists. Holy smokes, the kid is an absolute stud and worth every
1: penny of his contract. West 30 goal scores since, what, Rolston? Yeah, which is... Two thousand eight, um, two thousand nine. Odd to say. Demarry Gavrick have thirty before a, that, I'm sure. Yeah, he did. Um, I'm trying to think because there was two thirty goal scorers that's that season. There was Ralston and it was, Rolston, it was uh, who am I missing? Wasn't it wasn't, oh, wasn't Demetra.
0: Um oh, Demetra was the setup guy. I was like five back then. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. I gotta figure <laughs> this out. You 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 were in your prime. You look it up. But 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 what I'm going back to is you know. As much as I think the Kirill Kaprizov situation worked itself out, and I think Kirill is an example of a guy who's a pro's pro, all things considered, to be honest with you, um, contract negotiations are one thing. When it comes to the actual personal protection of your greatest asset, which is your body, that's a whole other level of personal brouhaha that that needs to be said we've seen it so much uh you know with uh daniel carcillo and the concussion things that have gone on and talking about concussions it's kind of a similar thing where the nhl needs to be better with that too i uh, all in all like you mentioned i really think it is has been blown out of proportion and i um i don't think jack eichel was Hundred percent off here. I think he was probably about eighty-five percent smack on, and the other fifteen percent was just maybe slightly misdirected. Um, so all things considered, but the question is, Nick, did you figure out who it was?
1: <laughs> Not just yet. Um, what I am looking to do, let's try this. The the stats page in the NHL site is here. We go. Okay, so it was Gabrick in 0708 oh, with forty two. And I'm, I want to see Oh, Rose wait wait. the
0: last two... last, thir- last 30 goal score for the wild. Wouldn't that be uh wouldn't that be uh Eric Stahl? Oh yeah, stall you're right. Yeah. I forgot yeah, about that 42, 42 yeah. goals.
1: <laughs> oh geez, I can we suck at this, don't that. we? I know we do suck at this. <laughs> uh here we go. So then it was a uh, Parisi had 33 in 24 15. I quietly forgot about that. Jason's over 18 2018, also with 33 goals. Zach Parisi, uh,
0: great contract.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, Rolston <laughs> did it twice in a row 31 goals, 07 and 06 07. Uh, Gabrick 06 uh, 07 also had 30. Pommonville had 30, 13, 14. And then again, Kaprizov, 30 this year. Um, so uh, I'm trying to remember, wasn't how- Guillaume, Guillaume La Tendress? Yeah, the 25,
0: I was going to say how 9, many, 10. Does it say how many 40 goal scores we've had in history? Two. Two. Stall and That's Gabrik, it, Stall right? and Gabrick, and that is it. Okay. So,
1: and I'm I'm thinking Kaprizov has got a pretty good chance of uh of, of adding to that club. So,
0: yeah, I believe it's is it 53 or 56 games that they played this season so far. Um, I was I have the app up, so let's it take a is, look. It is I have it right now. 56. 56. 30 30 goals, 43 assists, seventy three points, points, plus 19. So, um, because plus minus is vitally important here. um Huge. but <laughs> massive, but uh. Yeah. The kid's a stud, man. And uh, it's just, so is Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel's a stud too. What a great pickup for Vegas uh, as long as he stays healthy and produces like Jack Eichel does. Um, I don't know if he's worth $10 million a season, but he's definitely worth at least eight to eight and a half at least. Um, Right. You know, and if you have to have a bit of overpay to add a guy like that to the Vegas Golden Knights that add at a cost of, I mean, I love uh, Alex Tuck and I think Peyton Krebs will be a decent little player, but, what is essentially a somewhat of a steal, all things considered, uh, for you know, a generational talent like Jack Eichel, if he stays healthy, like we mentioned. Um, yeah, I wish him the best of luck in Vegas. I wish the Buffalo Sabres the best of luck too. I think Alex Tuck is doing great things, and I really hope that that that, that uh, you know franchise comes back to relevancy because you know in the late nineties, early two thousands, they were a lot of fun to watch. That building was packed every night, and they were one of the most electric fan bases that we ever had. So, um, speaking of electric fan bases, Nick. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add or are we all right? Electric fan bases, electric fan bases, wherever the St. Cloud state Huskies are. If you get a chance to travel out to the regional, go support them, wish the boys the best of luck, stay positive. It's going to be what it's going to be, uh, and enjoy the ride. Actually, St. Cloud has no pressure of being a one seed here this year. So, you know what, they don't really have a whole lot to lose and they can play spoiler here. So can't
1: lose to AIC. So that's good.
0: (laughs) St. Cloud would find a way, wouldn't they? Um, where AIC upsets Mankato in the in the in the opening round, and then they get the Huskies to go to the Frozen Four. Anyway, um, with that being said. <laughs> Huskies fans are screaming in their cars driving to work on a Monday morning. I know. I think they've already shut it off. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, maybe about an hour ago. But that will do it for episode number 103. The announcement that we were going to make, by the way, for our guests uh, coming up after selection Sunday in the morning. We're not going to have a whole lot of info on that. In fact, I'm kind of thinking,
1: by the way, You're um, you're supposed to think before
0: yeah i'm kind of thinking because usually the our our plan is to have our guests on for about 35 to 40 minutes i'm thinking and that every time it goes an hour and a half yeah but selection selection sunday is on sunday but we usually do the show sunday morning does it make more sense to tie everything all into episode number 104 and kind of lay it out for the fans Mm -hmm. and wait an extra day or two yeah Um, give me a sunday please yeah (laughs) I think we might do that. So episode number 104 is probably going to come out on a Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock on the 22nd. So on the 21st, we will be recording episode number 104 with special guests, Caleb Peabody, Marissa Voss from Mankato, and everyone's favorite Max Beach from the Duluth Bulldogs. Because why don't we hear more about some Duluth hockey and how they did in the N.C. Frozen Faceoff? Anyway, um, can you feel my eye twitching for those on the audio feed? But that will do it for episode 103. Catch you back on the following Tuesday for episode number
1: 104. One timer coming, they score. and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside the Dwayne Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! Kirill, the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner.
0: St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.